Good evening, English 11. Let's see what time it is. It is 8.10, Monday, May 11th, 8.10 p.m. Oh my goodness, I wish you could see where I'm sitting. The sunlight is coming in through this window behind me. It's just beautiful outside, even though it's a little cold. It's funny, I do the podcast every time at the same time. I should say every day at the same time. And it's getting lighter and lighter and lighter. Things I probably would not have noticed if I was in school. But I think um, I speak for most of us when I say I'm paying much closer attention to the natural world on a daily basis now that I'm here. Anyway, um, okay, so tonight I'm going to discuss the first half of chapter five. And this is just so good. Okay, guys, for many of you and for many people who watch the movie, this is the chapter slash scene you've been waiting for. It's the reunion. So a couple things have been established for us. First, from the first time we met him, we knew that Tom Buchanan was the biggest jerk alive. And if you think about like Fitzgerald is laying his jerkness on so thick, like he's really beating us over the head with the fact that Tom is a horrible person. He is having a current affair with Myrtle. Remember the line about how he takes her to a restaurant and then makes her sit by herself while he wanders all over the restaurant? Um, he's, ugh. Um, and then we also find out that he started cheating on Daisy like right after their honeymoon. Um, he wasn't there for the birth of his daughter. The guy couldn't get any worse. I know... Or I believe that Fitzgerald did this on purpose. I mean, I know he did it on purpose because he created the story. So that we as the reader are, we get to this point in the novel and we're like, yes, Daisy, this is your moment, girl. You, you deserve a better life. You deserve to be loved. And Gatsby, it's perfect, isn't it? That's a great question. We're going to figure all that out. Okay. And we, we know, based on what we learned in chapter four, that she oh, she was this close to calling off her wedding with Tom when she heard that he was back in town. So here we go. I'm going to take us through the first half of chapter four, or sorry, chapter five. So if you guys know, your assignment in Google Classroom is to do a close reading of the second half. Okay, the second half, I'm going to go, I'm going to stop right before the close reading starts. So I'm in the paperback. And um, I'm going to go from the beginning of the chapter to the bottom of 94, okay? So, um, he, he at the beginning of chapter 5, he says, When I came home to West Egg that night, I was afraid for a moment that my house was on fire. Two o'clock, and the whole corner of the peninsula was blazing with light, which felt unreal on the shrubbery and made thin, elongating glints upon the roadside wires. Turning the corner, I saw that it was Gatsby's house, lit from two, lit from tower to cellar. Okay, so he comes home. Remember, he's just been on kind of like a date or tea with Jordan Baker. And he comes home and he realizes that all of the lights are on in Gatsby's house and he's still awake. Um, and then he sees him, he sees him outside, and Gatsby starts walking toward Nick. Um, and they start chatting. Um so he, he immediately starts talking to Nick and he says, let's go to Coney Island in my car. And Nick's like, it's too late. It's two in the morning. And then he says, well, suppose we take a plunge in the swimming pool. I haven't made use of it all summer. And Nick says, I've got to go to bed. One thing about Gatsby and Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio talks about this in the clip that I posted 
in that like Gatsby has this ner- very nervous energy about him. And a good question is, you know, why does he have this nervous energy? And that will be answered for us a little later. But I just want you guys to kind of notice it. Like he's always, um, you know, he's always trying to present things to people, impress people. And Leonardo DiCaprio and the director talk about like how DiCaprio chose to play that nervous energy in the movie. Um, Okay. And so then they get into the topic of hosting tea. So Nick says, um, what day would suit you? And then Gatsby says, what day would suit you? He corrected me quickly. I don't want to put you to any trouble. You see, how about the day after tomorrow? He considered for a moment. Then with reluctance, I want to get the grass cut, he said. We both looked at the grass. There was a sharp line where my ragged lawn ended and the darker, well-kept grass, well-kept expanse of his began. I suspected that he meant my grass. (laughs) Okay, I love this little moment and it's going to come back to us a little bit later. But first of all, Gatsby's insisting that Nick gets his own grass cut for this meeting, which I think is really funny. Um, And I love how they both like stare at the line between the two yards. Um, And then he says, there's another little thing he said uncertainly and hesitated. Would you rather put it off a few days? I asked. Oh, it isn't about that. At least he fumbled with a series of beginnings. Why? I thought, why look here, old sport. You don't make much money, do you? Not very much. This seemed to reassure him and he continued more confidently. I thought you didn't. If you'll pardon my, you see, I carry on a little business on the side, a sort of sideline, you understand. And I thought that if you don't make very much, very much, you're selling bonds. Aren't you old sport? Trying to. Well, this would interest you. It wouldn't take up much of your time and you might pick up a nice bit of money. It happens to be a rather confidential sort of thing. Okay, this is a very small conversation, but... It's important because, again, remember my comment, if you guys watched the global feedback, one person said, there's something Gatsby isn't telling us, and that's right. So what is this hidden side to him? Well, this is one little clue right here where he wants to get Nick involved in some sort of confidential business. Let's listen to Nick's assessment of what he's thinking. Nick says, not to Gatsby, but to us, the reader. I realize now that under different circumstances, that conversation might have been one of the crises of my life. But because of the offer was obviously and tactlessly for a service to be rendered, I had no choice except to cut him off there. I've got my hands full, I said. I'm much obliged, but I couldn't take on any more work. So Nick completely senses that this is a shady business, and he very clearly says, I am not interested. Nick is such a good narrator because he's so, he's very clear morally. And we kind of need that as we get to the second half of the book. But, um, but he says like, I don't want anything to do with this. And then Gatsby says, you wouldn't have to do any business with Wolfsheim. Evidently he thought I was shying away from the connection mentioned at lunch, but I assured him he was wrong. He waited a moment longer, hoping I'd begin a conversation but I was too absorbed to be responsive. So he unwillingly went home. Okay. So, um, he, that's how the conversation ends. Okay. So then Nick contacts, contacts Daisy and says, Hey, come to tea, you know, the next day, um, at my house. And he says, (laughs) Nick says to her, don't bring Tom. I warned her. What? Don't bring Tom. Who is Tom? She asked innocently. 
I, I I say this a lot when we read this book, and I wish obviously we were in class, but like Daisy's funny in her own way, but her humor is kind of lost because Tom obviously doesn't pay close enough attention to his wife to realize that she's funny. And there's nothing for her to do with her humor in the world that she lives in. She can't like write books or tell stand-up jokes or pursue like a blog or anything. There's nothing for her to do with her creative energy, but I love the fact that she's funny. Okay. So here we go. Day of arrives. And, um, in the movie, and you'll see this, if you watch the clip I posted, they talk a lot about these flowers. Okay. Um, so on page 89, it says the flowers were unnecessary. Like Nick puts out these really tiny flowers at four at two o'clock, a greenhouse arrived from Gatsby's with innumerable receptacles to contain it. Now this is one sentence. Okay. I just want to point this out one for one sentence. He said a greenhouse arrived in the movie. They make this like unbelievable what they do with the flowers. And at some point, I think in chapter four, Daisy mentions that, or there's a mention of a crushed orchid in her room. So the people who made the movie were like, well, she must really like orchids. They fill his house with, it's, it's unbelievable. You got to watch the scene. Okay. So then Gatsby arrives as an hour later, the front door opened nervously. There's that nervous energy again. And Gatsby in a white flannel suit, silver shirt, and gold colored tie hurried in. He was pale and there were dark circle signs of sleevelessness beneath his eyes. One thing I want you guys to notice here is what he's wearing. Um, in every scene, we typically get a, a description of what Gatsby's wearing. We would describe Gatsby as a flashy dresser. And I want to read that line again. He's, <clears throat> he's in a white flannel suit, a silver shirt, and a gold-colored tie. And you kind of want to imagine his fashion sense compared to Tom's. Like, Gatsby is a flashy dresser. He likes to show off his money. And this is not something that people with old money do. They don't show off their money. But Gatsby definitely does. Okay, so then um, he comes in and he's very nervous. So he says when he comes in, is everything all right? He asks immediately. The grass looks fine, if that's what you mean. That's Nick telling Gatsby. And then Gatsby says, what grass? He inquired blankly. Oh, the grass in the yard. He looked out the window at it, but judging from his, judging from his expression, I don't believe he saw a thing. Oh, so that's a great description to tell us indirectly that Gatsby is extremely preoccupied. He's extremely nervous. Okay, so um, it rains. It's raining outside, and I, I want you guys to pay attention to that because um, this is a work of literature, okay? And one thing that we talk a lot about in AP literature, which is, you know, the advanced study of literature that you can take with me next year, is that you know, uh, authors are constantly making very deliberate moves, right? They're always making choices of how to create these scenes. And one thing that authors do, or they can do sometimes, is they use the weather, right? Like just like in a movie, um, they use the weather. So I just want you to notice that in this point in time in the chapter, Gatsby's very nervous. Um, Daisy hasn't arrived yet. He wants to know that, or he, you know, he can hardly see the grass, he can't even get a sentence out and it's raining. Okay. And I just want you to pay attention to that because the weather is going to change and just keep that in mind. So it's raining and Gatsby sitting around nervously. And then he gets up eventually and says in an uncertain voice that he was going home. Why is that? 
Nobody's coming to tea. It's too late. He looked at his watch as if there was some pressing demand on his time elsewhere. I can't wait all day. Don't be silly. It's just two minutes to four. He sat down miserably as if I had pushed him. And simultaneously, there was the sound of a motor turning into my lane. We both jumped up, a little harrowed myself, and I went out into the yard. Okay, so she's here. Remember, he hasn't seen her for five years, and he's thought about her every single minute in the last five years. Okay, so um, she comes. Nick goes out to get to get her, and it's pouring rain. And it says, um, under the dripping bare lilac trees, a, a large op- a large open car was coming up the drive. It stopped. Daisy's face, tipped sideways beneath a three cornered lavender hat, looked out at me with a bright, ecstatic smile. Is this where you absolute is this absolutely where you live, my dearest one? The exhilarating ripple of her voice. Sorry, guys. The exhilarating ripple of her voice was a wild tonic in the rain. I had to follow the sound of it for a moment, up and down with my ear alone before any words came through. Okay, so um I gotta pause here just to point out that Daisy. Uh, a lot of attention in the book gets Fitzgerald pays a lot of attention to Daisy's voice. And I will often highlight those quotes. It's like this attribute of hers that is very charming. This is how she charms people is the sound of her voice. Also real quick, it says that she's wearing a three cornered lavender hat, a three cornered hat. That's like what, you know, George Washington wore in the movie. They have her in a beautiful outfit and, um, they also have her wearing, of course, a three-cornered lavender hat. Hold on. I'm trying to see if I can turn off my my computer keeps beeping. I'm sorry for the digression here. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Never mind. Um, I don't know what I'm doing on my computer to try to get this the dinging to stop. Okay, so here we go. So she's wearing a three-cornered lavender hat. So she comes in, and Nick, remember, he just saw Gatsby and in, in the house. So he brings Daisy in, and Nick's like, okay, here we go. This is the moment. And then it says, we went in. To my overwhelming surprise, the living room was deserted. Well, that's funny, I exclaimed. What's funny? Because she doesn't know anybody was supposed to be there. She turned her head as there was a light, as there was a light, dignified knocking at the front door. I went out and opened it. Gatsby, pale as death, with his hands plunged like weights in his coat pockets, was standing in a puddle of water, glaring tragically into my eyes. So Gatsby, like when Nick went out to get Daisy, Gatsby like ran outside, ran around the house, and now he's knocking. And now Nick's opening the door, like, what are you doing? Okay. With his hands still in his pockets, he stalked by me into the hall, turned sharply as if he were on a wire, and disappeared into the living room. It wasn't a bit funny. Aware of the loud beating of my own heart, I pulled the door. I pulled the door to against the increasing rain. For so then, so when he when he like goes down and it says he's walking like he's on a wire and he turns, that's when he sees her for the first time. Okay, here we go. Nick says, for half a minute there wasn't a sound. Then, from the living room, I heard a sort of choking murmur and part of a laugh followed by Daisy's voice on a clear artificial note. I certainly am awfully glad to see you again. A pause. It endured horribly. I had nothing to do in the hall, so I went in the room. That line, that line, guys, that you just heard, 
I certainly am awfully glad to see you again. The actress who plays Daisy in the movie says that exact line. And it's a, it's a moment, y'all. Okay. Gatsby, his hands still in his pockets, was reclining against the mantelpiece in a strange counterfeit perfect ease, even of boredom. He's not really bored, but he doesn't know how to stand. <clears throat> his head leaned back so far that it rested on the face of a defunct mantelpiece clock. And from this position, his distraught eyes stared down at Daisy, who was sitting frightened but graceful on the edge of a stiff chair. We've met before, muttered Gatsby. His eyes glanced momentarily at me, and his lips parted with an abortive attempt at a laugh. Luckily, the clock took this moment to tilt dangerously at the pressure of his head, whereupon he turned and caught it with trembling fingers and set it back in place. Then he sat down again. He sat down rigidly, his elbow on the arm of the sofa and his chin in his hand. When you watch the scene in the movie, which I'll post on Wednesday, he... DiCaprio does those exact movements. He knocks the clock over and then he like nervously sits. <clears throat> okay, back to the book. I'm sorry about the clock, he said. My own face had now assumed a deep tropical burn. I couldn't muster up a single commonplace out of the th thousand in my head. It's an old clock, I told them idiotically. I think we all believe for a moment that it had smashed to pieces on the floor. We haven't met for many years, said Daisy, her voice as matter-of-fact as it could be. Five years next November. The automatic quality of Gatsby's answer set us all back at least another minute. I love that line. First of all, the fact that Gatsby says five years next November is a little startling. Like, this guy has been counting, okay? Okay. Um, so things are not going well. Amid the welcome confusion of cups and cakes, a certain physical decency established itself. So, so the maid or the, you know, the woman who works in the house brings in um, some cakes and some tea. Gatsby got himself into a shadow while Daisy and I talked, while, sorry, and while Daisy and I talked, looked conscientiously from one to the, to the other of us with tense, unhappy eyes. However, as calmness wasn't an end in itself, I made an excuse at the first possible moment and got to my feet. Where are you going? Demanded Gatsby in immediate alarm. I'll be back. I've got to speak to you about something before you go. He followed me wildly into the kitchen. Notice the nervous energy again. Closed the door and whispered, Oh God, in a miserable way. What's the matter? This is a terrible mistake, he said, shaking his head from side to side. A terrible, terrible mistake. You're just embarrassed, that's all. And luckily, I added, Daisy's embarrassed too. She's embarrassed, he repeated incredulously. Just as much as you are. Don't talk so loud. You're acting like a boy, I broke out impatiently. Not only that, but you're rude. Daisy's sitting in there all alone. He raised his hand to stop my words, looked at me with unforgettable reproach, and opening the door, cautiously went back into the other room. Okay, so you guys, I love this moment because... Nick really gives Gatsby the tough love when he says, you know, you're acting like a boy. But Gatsby is like, you know, the big man on campus. And you can tell in the way that he holds up his hand to stop Nick's words. He's a little annoyed that Nick said that about him. Um, <clears throat> so the word reproach means like a feeling of disapproval. So when it says he raised his hand to stop my words and looked at me with unforgettable reproach, he's like, don't you ever say that about me, that I would be rude to her. And he like marches right back in and he, um, 
and he does this, he goes in and when you, um, when you watch the clip that I posted, you'll see him do his little Gatsby smile. Okay. So then Nick says, I walked out the back way, just as Gatsby had when he had made his nervous circuit of the house half an hour before and ran for a huge black knotted tree whose mast leaves made a fabric against the rain. Cause remember it's raining outside. So Nick like doesn't know what to do, wants to give them some privacy. So he goes outside once more. It was pouring and my irregular lawn well shaved by Gatsby's gardener abounded in small muddy swamps and prehistoric marshes. There was nothing to look at from under the tree except Gatsby's enormous house. So I stared at it like Kant at his church steeple for half an hour. A brewer had built it in the early, had built it early in the period craze a decade before. And there was a story that he'd agreed to pay five years taxes on all of the neighboring cottages. If the owners would have their roofs thatched with straw. Um, okay. So he's sort of reflecting on Gatsby's house as he's standing there. Then he says, after half an hour, the sun shone again. Oh guys, the sun has come out and the grocer's automobile rounded Gatsby's drive with the raw materials for his servant's dinner. Hold on. Sorry. I just have to click something. Okay. Um, I felt sure he wouldn't eat a spoonful. A maid began opening the upper windows of his house. So now you guys, the rain has stopped and the sun has come out. Let's see what's happening inside Nick's bungalow. He says, I went in after making every possible noise in the kitchen, short of pushing over the stove. <laughs> I always think that's funny. Like they're alone in his house. He doesn't know what they're doing. So he's like coming in, like smashing things, making sure they know he's coming. But I don't believe they heard a sound. They were sitting at either end of the couch, looking at each other as if some question had been asked or was in the air and every vestige of embarrassment was gone. Daisy's face was smeared with tears, and when I came in, she jumped up and began wiping it with her handkerchief before a mirror. But there was a change in Gatsby that was simply confounding. He literally glowed. Without a word or a gesture of exultation, a new well-being radiated from him and filled the room. Oh, hello, old sport, he said, as if he hadn't seen me for years. I thought for a moment he, he was going to shake hands. It stopped raining. Has it? When he realized what I was talking about, there were twinkle bells of sunshine in the room. He smiled like a weatherman, like an ecstatic patron of recurrent light. Oh, what a great line! And repeated the news to Daisy. What do you think of that? It stopped raining. I'm glad, Jay. Her throat, full of aching, grieving beauty, told only of her unexpected joy. Okay, so Nick leaves... And in this interim period where Nick is not there to narrate, they clearly connect with each other, right? When he walks back in, Gatsby is no longer nervous. There's no embarrassment. And these two, you know, there's a, there's a clear connection between them. All right. So at the top of page 95, Gatsby says, I want you and Daisy to come over to my house. He said, I'd like to show her around. So this is where I'm going to stop for today. And this is where your close reading passage is going to start for homework. So I would like you guys to do the close reading passage for homework. Um, and it's due Thursday at midnight. Midnight. I'm going to read and go over this second half on Wednesday on the podcast. And I'm not going to give you all the answers, but if you're struggling with this, um, I would suggest if you're struggling with the assignment, I would suggest listening to the podcast because I'll help you with some of the tougher moments or tougher passages. Okay. I really hope you guys enjoyed the first part of chapter five and tomorrow evening, 
Tuesday evening when I get ready to post things for Wednesday, I'm also going to post this clip from the movie because it's just so, it's really ridiculously well done. Okay. All right. That's it for tonight. I hope you guys have a great night and I'll be back on Wednesday.